0: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Over the line, or close it, he's in. A backhander with a slam by Tony Esposito. Stan Mikita was a, a small guy, very cocky in those days. A right hand by Langerson, and he Magnuson trying to tear his hair out. NBC Chicago's James Naveau. Murphy picked out a mid-air to Imani, Jeremy Odyssey Chicago Hockey Insider, Jay Zawaski. No more! Hawks win! Hawks win again! Chris Jelios in overtime! Part of Blue Wire Podcast. Game off the boards. He shoots. his goal! down to the tase! A game-winning goal! The Hawks live to fight another day! The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Chicago's going to be in last place forever. Center for Tays, he got to break away. to win the game. Hawks win. Hawks win. Jonathan Tays. Brought to you by Triple Threat Sports. Fry the coop and by the Cincinnat Law Group. Let's drop the puck. Welcome
1: in, friends. This is the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James Naveau from NBC5, and with me, of course, as always, is Jay Zawoski of Odyssey, of WBBM, of the I'm Pat Podcast. Jay, that was either the most unforgettable <laughs> 0-0 game that got decided in a shootout, or the most forgettable. I can't quite decide which.
2: Oh, my God. That was... a. Uh... That was that was that was tough. That was a tough game to consume, man. Uh, at least overtime made up for it with a lot of end to end action, a lot of scoring chances. But usually, I'm 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 here for you with a with a zero zero goalie duel. But this was just a clunker of epic proportions, man. It was like not a lot of high danger chances at all. And you know, Flurry of course made a, a bunch of really nice saves throughout the game. But in the whole game nine high danger chances combined for both teams both teams and the hawks had six of them this is one of those rare games where the hawks beat the crap out of their opponent possession wise and they still come away with a loss we're gonna break it down we're gonna get into some bigger picture stuff too thanks as always for joining us follow us on social media at Madhouse Pod on Twitter, Madhouse underscore Pod on Instagram, and Madhouse Hockey Pod on Facebook. We've got our T Public Shop. Check that out. Uh, the link is in our bio. We've got our Patreon, all that good stuff. Uh, so yeah, Hawks lose one nothing in the shootout to the Dallas Stars, and you know you're looking at the sheet. Of who's <laughs> available to take shots, and who does Derek King tap on the shoulder with Kirby Doc and and Dylan Strome? Sitting on the bench, that's right, known goal scorer Jake McCabe hops over the boards.
1: (laughs) I I tried to look up (laughs) NHL shootout statistics just to kind of see if he's had, like, shootout attempts before, and I can't find him. So, uh, odds are he's had one at some point in his career, but that was certainly a... uh, a head-scratching decision by Derrick King. I did, however, and I'm sure we'll talk about his game as we move along here, but I was very happy that he sent out Lucas Reichel in the third spot tonight. If he's going to be up here and he's going to play games, you might as well see what you got with him.
2: Yes, and I think that's sort of my takeaway from this game and the last few games, too. And, look, of course, you know he's going to rely on his proven veterans, Seth Jones. Plays 27 minutes. Connor Murphy plays 22 minutes. Debrinka 21. Uh, Patrick Kane felt like he was out there the whole night, 24 minutes. But you're starting to see young guys get their chances, right? Uh, Whistle, who left the game for a while, he played under 10 minutes. Uh, Alec Regula played over 10 minutes. Caleb Jones, 19 minutes of ice time. You know, you're starting to see these younger guys get more of a chance, more of a look. And I think... At this point, it's the right thing to do. Sure. Giving some of these young players a look. And you mentioned it. Lucas Reichel, with his third NHL game, uh, recorded two shots on goal, did not score, obviously, in the shootout. Um, but, you know, I, I got to say, and not a criticism, but just he just didn't have the puck a lot. You know, no. so it, it was sort of hard to glean too much about his game. I mean, he obviously he looks the part, he's got the speed, he's got the skill, but I have noticed in the first three games that the puck hasn't seemed to find him very often.
1: Um, I I thought maybe tonight that was a little bit of a product of who he was playing with because he was with Patrick Kane, who carries the puck a lot. Yeah. And then he was also with Brandon Hagel, who is the one man wrecking crew energy (laughs) machine type of guy. So odds are the puck's going to find Kane and Hagel a lot if Reichel is on the ice. So, yeah, that was kind of... um, a little bit of a bummer not to see him get the puck more, but it's kind of understandable with those two guys. And a couple of line combinations tonight I thought were really interesting, and that was definitely one of them.
2: Yeah, there was an opportunity in the third where he was hit uh, you know, with a nice pass, like going through the center of the ice, and it just escaped him a little bit. And you could hear Kobe Cohen on the broadcast was like, ugh, because it, it was right where he thrives, like right in the center of the ice, attacking the zone with speed. And the puck yep. just escaped him. I, look, I, I want to be very clear. Nothing I'm concerned about. I think he, you know, obviously he has all the all the tools to be a really good player, a star player. So no concern. But just it's kind of hard to really analyze his game when he when he very rarely had the puck tonight.
1: Jade Zawaski with the Cholula hot take. Lucas Reichel is a bust.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes, I've given up on him already.
1: <laughs> Um, I did want to talk about the other uh, youngster that played tonight, which is Alec Regula, who, um, like you mentioned earlier, played almost 12 minutes tonight. Um, there are a couple of things you notice immediately about Alec when he's on the ice. First of all, he's a large man. Yes. You definitely notice that, and the Blackhawks certainly don't have a ton of... Uh, you know, size on their roster, needless to say. And he moves pretty good for being a bigger guy, too, which I really appreciated about his game tonight. And I thought that early on, he was making a lot of really good decisions with the puck. I kind of zoned in on him a little bit just because of the fact he was playing some pretty significant shifts, kind of getting into the flow of the game early when they weren't having a lot of stoppages. So you saw plenty of him. As the game went on, he had a couple of kind of questionable moments especially in the neutral zone, I thought that he held the puck for a little bit too long. I think that as you kind of go through the levels of hockey, whether it's junior or the AHL, you kind of have a little bit of time. You're not getting constantly assailed with the puck. And he just so happened that he held it a little bit too long tonight. But I thought overall, I did really like Regula's game. And I like the kind of um, the facets of it, the physicality, the size, and then the offensive upside. He played a little bit of power play time tonight. There is A good amount that I like about his game, and I definitely would like to see him included on that list of young guys who are going to get kind of a little bit more uh, run as the season uh, goes along.
2: Yeah, Ragula, 21 years old, 6'4", 208. Um, This is his, what, I think fourth game with the Hawks? This was
1: his fourth game, yep.
2: Yeah, and there were a lot of, of moments from him during this game that stood out. Just nice defensive plays. You're right about him holding on to the puck too long, but I think... We've seen over the last few years with young defensemen kind of the opposite, like, (laughs) get this puck away from me as soon as possible. So to see a guy hold on to the puck long means there's not a lot of panic in his game.
1: And repeatedly driving into the zone with the puck, too, which I can't say I was anticipating. Not that I've watched, you know, every single shift he's ever played, but I thought that was interesting, too. Yeah,
2: what I'm seeing from him is is a kid who believes in himself and believes in his game. And I was I was very encouraged from what I saw from Regula tonight, and hopefully he can stick around a little bit. I like that they're sort of ro- rotating these young guys in, like Galvis and Regula, yeah. and of course you've got Mitchell and Bodan and the miners, and you know other guy. You know, why Kelnick is still part of things, and on and on and on. I'd like to see though, instead of the constant revolving door, give somebody you know a good chunk of games to kind of get their legs under them to get get kind of catch the pace of the game that sort of a thing and really get a look at people
1: I think you wait until the trade deadline because once you see guys leave I think that's probably you're going to get your wish
2: well I think that that, that's part of why they're doing the revolving door right now is because they want to see okay we know that at some point at least one of these veteran defensemen is going to go with the deadline DeHaan I would say if you're going to handicap it DeHaan is probably the most likely Uh, I think maybe closely behind him is Connor Murphy. I don't know if they were
1: even with the fresh extension. I think that he's definitely going to turn some heads. I mean, he's got a lot of value. Think about this. Like if you're a cup contender and you can add
2: Connor Murphy at a very reasonable contract, that's a really solid move. I mean, just think about when the Hawks added Johnny Oduya back in the day. Right. And look, this is basically we we went through this when Nicholas Jalmerson retired Adding Connor Murphy is basically adding a Nicholas Jalmerson to your team. Like th- that's what you're doing. And if you could put him on a on a real solid team where he's your three or your four, that's that that makes a really good team great. Yep. On defense. So I think you could see teams getting a bidding war for him at the deadline. And look, at this point, as we sort of evaluate the next two, three years ahead for the Blackhawks, I think. Maybe their development of their young players is a little bit behind where they hoped it would be. Part of that is coaching changes. Part of that is the shakeup in the front office. But Kirby Doc has not taken the step we thought he was going to make this year, at least statistically. Uh, Kurochev a bit of a step back. Dominic Kubalik a bit of a step back. So, yeah, this team is probably three four years away from being competitive. You know, maybe a play, maybe a playoff team may be closer than that, but in terms of actually contending and, and having a shot to win a round or two, that, yeah. that's a ways away here. So you're probably better off maximizing the return for somebody like Murphy, somebody like – and look, I'm listening on Jake McCabe too. Sure. Everyone liked the signing, but is he going to be here when the Hawks are good again? Maybe it's time to just go full out rebuild and and, and I don't know. I, I just think that getting a look at as many of these young defensemen as you can is a good move. And I have to say, for the most part, I'm pretty satisfied with how these guys have looked. They've all looked and it, like Galvis, Regula. I know it's one game, but, you know, a lot of these guys have looked like they can hold their own. Sure. For a team that's not going to contend, but they're in, they can play in the NHL and be okay.
1: Yeah, and I and I think that's a this is an absolutely perfect opportunity to talk about uh, Caleb Jones and the way that they've been using him. I know that he kind of was the the throw-in guy of all the offseason acquisitions that the Blackhawks made, um, especially on their blue line, bringing in uh, Jake McCabe and then Seth Jones, of course. And then Caleb Jones was just kind of a guy that we all were kind of like, oh, they got him. They wanted to give him a look. He's Seth's brother. You know, they thought it might be a good uh, recruiting tool, whatever it was. The way they've been using him lately, I get the sense that the Blackhawks are pretty adamant about using him in some capacity in the future because they used him in a wide variety of situations tonight. They played him almost 20 minutes, and that's been kind of an ongoing trend. And he was, I believe, the second defenseman out during overtime tonight as well. So there's clearly clearly something there with Caleb Jones. I think the Blackhawks really – think that they may have hit on something with him and if he can develop into a sturdy you know number four defenseman on a team in the future at the low cost that he's gonna bring to the table I I can see the Blackhawks potentially holding on to him and giving him a bigger role here in the interim as they kind of shuffle some pieces on that blue line
2: what's funny is I've wanted to talk about him many many times because I feel like he's a guy we have not really spent a ton of time talking about this year And, you know, traded for Duncan Keith. And I think a lot of people looked at that as, look, they're trying to recruit Seth here, so try to get his brother. But as the years gone on, he's been in the lineup more consistently. And there's nothing in his game that I don't, that I dislike. You know, he's not going to be a star. I I think that ship has sailed. He is 24. He's not like, you know, he's not a super youthful, like 21, (laughs) 22-year-old prospect. But... You see the skill set there, right? Yeah. He's a, a decent skater. He makes good decisions. He's got a little bit of offense to his game in terms of moving the puck and things like that. I've been pretty satisfied with the way that he has played this season. And, yeah, I do think that as we project who are the Blackhawks on this roster that matter, I think Caleb Jones is one of them.
1: Well, he matters in that he's going to be here for the next two or three seasons, and you're going to kind of see how he's going to pan out. I don't think that we can say conclusively that uh, Connor Murphy's going to be here in two or three years. We can't say Jake McCabe's going to be here, Calvin DeHaan certainly. That leaves you with a pretty – thin list of guys that you think are going to be here in the next two to three seasons. And I would definitely say Caleb Jones is in that mix. And I think that acquiring him as kind of insurance in case some of these other guys like Wyatt Kalnick and Ian Mitchell don't pan out, ended up being a really smart move by the Blackhawks. And I think that they, based on his ice time, they sure seem satisfied with the investment that they made.
2: No doubt. And, And I've been, like I said, pretty pleased with him. And I, again, he's not going to wow you he's not going to you know pull you out of your seat every night no but for what you thought you were getting like a a fringe maybe like borderline nhl defenseman he's been a lot better than that on a team that and a team that's not very good defensively (laughs) and i think the fact that we've not talked about him a lot sort of illustrates that point right he's he, as, as a guy who's not an offensive defenseman, those are the kind of guys you really only talk about when they make glaring mistakes. Right. They have not been there this year for Caleb Jones. Of course there's been moments,
1: but overall everybody's had moments. Of course.
2: Overall, I think his his game has been solid and you could see as he gets more opportunity, which he's getting, I already mentioned he played what 19 minutes tonight, was it? Yep, 19:34. Uh, yeah, 19:34. Yeah. As he gets more consistent opportunities, bigger opportunities, more important opportunities, He didn't really get that in Edmonton, right? He was sort of in and out, up and down. Now he's definitely one of the Hawks' top six. If they make some trades like we all expect them to, he's going to be in their top four, like it or not. Um, And those opportunities are where guys can really either, you know, make or break their careers. And so far, what I've seen from Caleb Jones is, I don't want to say thriving, but I'll say succeeding. I would say he's met the challenge so far.
1: Certainly, and speaking of trades, I feel like there is another guy that we kind of have not been, weird as it is, I don't think we've kind of talked about often enough, and he had another utterly insane game tonight. Can we just shout out Marc-Andre Fleury? Yes. <laughs> Good God, man. Like I I made a comment on Twitter that Marc-Andre Fleury, I know the Blackhawks are not a playoff team. They're not going to make the postseason. Where the heck would they be without Marc-Andre oh right now? They'd be like in Arizona Coyotes territory right now, not moving into a 5,000-seat arena, but in the standings. <laughs> um, he actually made, he made history tonight, and I had kind of thought about this aloud to the misses while we were watching the game. Whether a Blackhawks goalie had ever registered a shutout loss – Losing a zero zero game that goes to a shootout. Congratulations, Mark Fleury. You're th- Mark Andre Fleury. You are the first Blackhawks goalie to ever do that. Nice. He,
2: <laughs> he gets an air horn for that accomplishment. Um,
1: <laughs> that's not a record you want to have. Probably.
2: No idea. I know. Boy, but, but just in the, the save he made on Pavelski in the shootout where he was just like, I'm like, well, he's hurt because I imagined <laughs> myself doing that. And of course, he was yep. fine.
1: And And then followed it up two shots later with the insane poke check. Yeah, that was sweet. Oh, my God, dude. There were so many of those tonight where it's just that that'll bring you out of your seat for sure. He was on real in this game. You know, what's
2: also amazing is his ability to skate around the questions about the trade deadline. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, well, you know, yeah, if I leave, I'd probably want to go somewhere where I could win. But I like it here. But I haven't heard anything, but I think my agent has. And like, he's kind of <laughs> like, you know, ev- like like everyone has said since the second they acquired him, like he is beloved. Everybody loves the guy. Great teammate. Great in the locker room. All that stuff. And you could see why. Like it's just and the, how many times we've we seen the videos of, you know, the end of practice, like the little shootout contest they have. And yeah. I don't know. He's just been kind of a breath of fresh air on the team. And as a hockey fan, I know it's it doesn't make sense from a rebuilding standpoint to keep him around. But there's part of me that's like, I wouldn't mind him finishing off his career in Chicago.
1: Yeah, just stay here, man. Yeah. Uh, did but, you, by but, the way, I, wa- I thought we should mention this too since we're talking about Flurry, Kelly McCrimmon coming out like strong in Vegas saying, yeah, I've seen the rumors that we're interested in reacquiring Marc-Andre Fleury. Those are not true. Well- How often does an active GM say something like
2: never, that? Never, especially in hockey, but- that's him covering his ass because if that rumor starts to pick up steam and it doesn't happen, the Knights fans are going to be even more pissed off. So he's like, (laughs) right away, not happening. Get it out of your head. Don't get mad at me when it doesn't happen. I'm telling you today, it's not happening. But to your point about where the Hawks would be without Marc-Andre Fleury, I think last night's game... (laughs) With Arvid Soderblom was a pretty oh. good example of oh sweet Jesus stop something.
1: Is there an old hockey saying that if you have four goalies you don't have any? Yeah, like because yes, I think there is. The Blackhawks might be in that boat without Mark Andre Fleury because and I'm not Soderblom's had a good season with Rockford. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like he's just been you know hot garbage wherever he's played this year. Last night did not fill me with confidence whatsoever. <laughs> no that dude that dude looked like he was trying to grab a fish uh, you know from the water. He just like kept grabbing at it and just kept flipping away from him. It was it was something else. Well, it was not his finest uh, showing.
2: I'm trying to keep track of which goal it was, but there was one where there was a scramble in front of the net and he was on his knees, literally like staring at the puck in the crease and never reached for it. And they scored. It was like, what are you waiting for? It's right there. Like, either flop down on it or put your glove over it or something. But it just stood there like, someone, can someone get, someone please get, can someone grab this? No. You got to do something yourself, man. And I think, I don't want to call last night's game against the Jets a goalie loss, but it is a clear indicator of, if you don't have that dude, number 29 in your net every night, you're going to give up five, six, seven goals a night because yeah. they give up, and tonight's game was better defensively, obviously. Only
1: three high-danger chances in uh, 65 minutes.
2: But on a regular night for the Blackhawks, with an average goalie in there, with a replacement-level goalie, they're going to get torched. Uh, Yeah. And if they trade Flory at the deadline, as we all expect they will, and it's Kevin Lankin and Arvid Soderblom and whoever else they, you know, what is it, Kale Morris? Is that the other guy? No, you are correct. Uh, whoever these dudes are, they're going to make up from the random name generator on Madden and put it in, in the nets. Uh, it's going to get ugly. And I think...
1: I wonder what Scott Foster's up to.
2: Hey, you... A <laughs> i
1: name. i tweeted it i uh dmj when i was at my last blackhawks game that i went to that i saw somebody in a scott foster jersey and it, it reopened all the old wounds for mr zolowski look
2: man it's a good story i just don't need to hear any more about it ever again <laughs> that's
1: it you know what i need to hear about jay
2: hmm
1: i need to hear about fry the coop
2: all right well i'll, I'll tell you you want some amazing hot chicken Perhaps the best in the world. I think it's the best in the world. I've had all the greats in Nashville, and I still, when I come back to Chicago, I want Fry the Coop instead. Frythecoop.com, Oaklawn, Elmhurst, Westtown, Prospect Heights, Tinley Park, and coming soon to Darien. So if you're from the Chicagoland area, and based on the fact that this is a Blackhawks podcast, you probably are, there's a Fry the Coop near you. Go try it. You've heard us talking about it for years now. We don't just tell you about stuff we like just for fun. We don't just take advertisement from anyone. We love Fry the Coop. We're customers of Fry the Coop. You will love it as much as we do. So go visit FryTheCoop.com. Come get your happiness at Fry the Coop.
1: You know what, Jay? I think this is a perfect opportunity to take a uh, a bit of a break here, and then we can talk about uh, some dick biscuitry on the part of Jamie Ben this evening. Yeah, what was that? And- And we also need to uh, talk a little bit more about uh, trade rumors involving Russ Dorsey's favorite Blackhawk. Let's do
2: it. We'll be right back with more on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast.
1: Welcome back into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. We've been talking about the Blackhawks' one to nothing shootout loss, history-making loss to the Dallas Stars this evening at the United Center. A lot more fans there tonight than there were last night. I can't imagine what that was about. Maybe the snow. Who hmm. knows? Interesting. Um <laughs> Before the break, I coined a new term that I don't think has ever been uttered on a podcast before. I described it as "dick biscuitry," mm-hmm. and what it was was Jamie Ben, noted, uh, you know, Dallas Star, longtime player, not the nicest fellow, from what I gather <laughs> on uh, social media. Uh, Mackenzie Entwistle, during the game, took a face full of the corner glass, which is that rounded edge at the end of the bench, got drilled into that during the game, ended up going off the ice, going to the dressing room after that. As he skated back to the bench, uh, NBC Sports Chicago caught this. Jamie Benn squirted him in the face with a, a bottle of water, and it was just like... One of those moments, she's like, what a punk move, dude. Like, what's Mackenzie Entwistle going to do to you? Is he going to punch you and get a penalty? No, he's not going to. I hope. And Colby Cohen said this on the broadcast, and I kind of agree with him. I would not be mad if the NHL took a look at that and took a little bit of a coin out of Ben's pocket for that nonsense. It's just,
2: it's a weird, like, dude, you're Jamie Ben. You've been the captain of the stars for like a decade. Why are you worried about Mackenzie Entwistle? I, that, that to me was the thing it's like and that was colby cohen's point too he's like you're 32 years old like what are you doing man yeah like, you're a veteran you've got respect you've got well you don't have a cup but you've got skins on the wall yeah, he won an mvp <laughs> right didn't he i thought he won a heart tr-
1: I believe i believe he won a heart trophy
2: yes i think he did and like why are you worried about a guy wearing number 58 Like, that guy should not really be on your radar. I mean, I'm assuming when I saw that that something happened earlier in the game, there was some sort of exchange or some sort of word said or uh, elbow up or a stick high or a hit in the crotch or something like that. But I don't know. I I I just found it very strange that a longtime NHL captain would take the time to squirt the face of a fourth liner. I I don't know. It was just weird. It was just the... I could see if it was... Like Max Domi to Alex Debrinkit. Or, you know what I mean? Like something a little more level and a little more. It was just such a weird match of players. That's yeah. what really struck me. Like, why would Jamie Ben take the time to do that for a guy who is. Probably gonna have a cup of coffee in the NHL.
1: I don't know. It that, really, it really clipped Jay's begonias. He was not happy. Yeah, about I don't.
2: This. I mean, I don't know if he needs to be fined for it. It was just, I, you know, guys are dicks on the on the ice or the field all the time. Sure, but it was just. I just thought it was weird. Like of all of all I people,
1: completely agree with you. It just, it, it, was very uncalled for, very odd, especially the fact that Aunt Whistle immediately went to the dressing room. By the way. Jamie Ben was a finalist for the Hart Trophy in twenty sixteen. In fact, I'm sure all of our listeners were yelling at us because the winner that year was Patrick Kane.
2: Poor Jaime Ben.
1: So, yeah, he finished third in the voting. He won the Art Ross the season uh, before that. So a little bit of hardware on the shelf, also an Olympic gold medalist. But, yeah, just that was Bush League behavior, really stupid. And I'm glad that uh, NBC Sports Chicago and Colby Cohen caught that because that that was not something I saw. And, man, that was just silly.
2: You know, Mackenzie Entwistle should sue him. You should call our guy, Kent Simpson of the Simpson Law Group. After over a decade of prosecuting homicide cases as an assistant Cook County State's attorney, Kent opened his own firm over 20 years ago, specializing in all forms of personal injury cases, including injuries as a result of accidents, including cars, trucks, motorcycles, bicycles, boats, planes, buses, unicycles, clowns balancing on giant oversized beach balls, hoverboards, the kind from Back to the Future and the kind that are actually sold in stores, Razor scooters, jet skis, and mopeds, slip and fall cases, and injuries as a result of hazardous drugs or products. His firm's results speak for themselves with millions recovered for their clients. Sinsin Law Group charges no fees unless they win for you. So call for a free consultation, 312-332-2107 or visit SinsonLawGroup.com. Don't go offsides. Go top shelf. Call now. That's Sinson, S-I-N-S-O-N, lawgroup.com. So last time we met, James, we spent a good amount of time talking about the Brandon Hagel trade rumors. A bit of an update on that. Apparently, four teams have reached out to the Blackhawks uh, uh, inquiring about the services of Brandon Hagel, and we saw that one of the offers, at least, was a first-round pick and a prospect, and we don't know the value of said first round pick was it right. a lottery on the team? team of course right yeah uh and the and the quality of the prospect either i would Im- i know calgary was one of those teams i would imagine since they traded for tyler to uh that very day we talked about it last time that they're mm-hmm. probably out of the running for brandon hagel but look i mean if you get a bidding war going maybe you get an offer you can't refuse and just if you missed the last podcast i want to be clear. I don't think either James or I are advocating to trade Brandon Hagel, but if some team's going to throw a preposterous package at you and give you maybe a top 15 pick and a Lucas Reichel level prospect, you've got to take that call and you've got to listen. And sure. I think it says a lot for, for Brandon Hagel that there's that much attention around him around the league. Cause part of me was like, is Hagel the product of a team that's just not very deep. I remember back when, Tyler Arneson and Kyle Calder and Mark Bell were the best players on the Blackhawks simply because the Blackhawks sucked. <laughs> right? And if like they Was had... Mark
1: Bell ever really the best player on the Blackhawks? Um I
2: well he was arguably the best player on the Blackhawks in that era, yes. Because he was he was a when healthy and when motivated, which are two big ifs, um <laughs> he was a he was a force to be reckoned with, man. A big center physical. Like he was actually a, a way better player than I think people remember him to be. But he was not a number one center in any stretch of the imagination. But as I look back here to his numbers with the Hawks, uh, he played one, two, three, four, five, five seasons with the Hawks. The first one, 13 games. Was, so we won't count that one. But he had a 21 goal season and a 25 goal season for the Hawks. So, yeah, in both of those with over 100 penalty minutes. So he was a he was a solid player. Yeah, but that's not a number one center, right? Sure. That's not a top six forward. That oh, well, maybe he's your second line center in a less than ideal situation. But mm-hmm. you want that to be Dave Boland, right? On a on a contender. Right. Uh, I, I, part of me wondered if Brandon Hagel was just a product of the Hawks' lack of depth. But the fact that so many teams around the league are seeing that and have and have made aggressive offers to get him—that's encouraging. That, I th- I think that maybe he is more than because I do think we have a tendency to say, eh, maybe it's a bit of a mirage what he's doing. But look, since he's made his debut, he's been consistent. The numbers have been there and he's second on the team in goals. That's significant, yeah.
1: man. Well, I mean, the Frank Saravalli um, compared a trade of Brandon Hagel to acquiring Blake Coleman or Barkley Goodrow. And I will remind you what the Lightning paid to the Sharks for Barkley Goodrow. It was a first-round pick and a prospect. So apparently that's the valuation that Saravalli is at least kind of – you know, dialed in a little bit, and he is a very smart hockey reporter. I would certainly listen to him. The other thing I'll throw out there is can you imagine the Florida Panthers, one of the four teams that's apparently been interested in Hagel? If they add Hagel, good God, man. Talk about adding a strength to a strength. That Panthers team is crazy good. Yeah. And they're about to play the Blackhawks. Don't forget.
2: Yay. That'll be fun.
1: (laughs) That's not going to be embarrassing at all. No, not at all. But, yeah, I mean, it,
2: very much on the same kind of plane as we were talking about Connor Murphy a little bit ago. When you put a player that good in more of a depth role to solidify a roster, that I mean, that's that's the icing on the cake for a team that's ready to win a Stanley Cup. Yep. And remember how affordable Brandon Hagel is, too. Like, there's no cap kind of, maneuvering. What, a three-year
1: deal, one and a half mil a season or something like that? Yeah,
2: and that's why I'm real hesitant to move on from him. You know, it's, well,
1: like you keep pointing out, like are these guys going to be here the next time the Blackhawks are contenders? Brandon Hagel, yeah, like it's a three-year deal, so that's still a little bit outside the window that you've been kind of prescribing. But don't forget, he's still a restricted free agent at the end of the contract.
2: Yeah, and he's that deal ends. He's twenty-six years old. Oh, so scary. I mean, that's that that there is a ton of like. I think you and I were both shocked when. We saw that number sign this offseason. Like, well, oh, that's it. Wow, that's a yep. that's a great deal.
1: A thousand percent. And yes. I
2: think there's value in valuable deals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, maybe maybe that's a very obvious thing to say, but for a guy who's your second leading goal scorer to be making one and a half million dollars for the next three years, eh, I want to be blown away by the offer. I'm not saying sure. no, but it's got to be a significant like can't miss prospect and I don't want the last pick of the first round. It's got to be top 15, top 20 before I even start listening.
1: A thousand percent agree. And it would it would break my heart as a fan to see Hagel go, but if it's that kind of return, you got to do what you got to do, man.
2: Totally agree. We'll see, man. It's going to get interesting. We are just over a month away from the trade deadline on March 21st. So uh, hopefully the Hawks have a GM by then. I think it was today the day we set as our over under the 18th.
1: Today was the day that I had said I thought they were going to do it, and they did not pull the trigger. They did interview a seventh candidate, though. I missed this one. Oh, I I was going to say I can look it up. Like, it just happened. Um, I'm I'm blanking on her name. She works for the, I believe, Toronto Raptors.
2: Teresa Resch.
1: Teresa Resch, yes. That's who it was. My bad. I was like, she works for the Raptors. What is her name? I completely blanked on it. But, yeah. Outside of hockey once again.
2: So I don't know if they've spoken to her yet. It says they are interested in Toronto Raptors. Uh, Teresa Rush as a GM candidate. She is the Raptors VP of basketball operations right now. So a female candidate from outside of hockey. Very interesting. Look, man, they're they're searching the whole wide world for their perfect candidate. I'm here for it. So let's see what shakes out. I'm very interested to see how this is going to end up. Anyway. Thanks for tuning in. We greatly appreciate it. We'll talk to you next time, probably not after the Panthers game because I think we know how that one's going to go. But we'll talk to you very, very soon on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast.
0: The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast was brought to you by Fry the Coop, Triple Threat Sports, and by the Sins In Law Group. I'm Amira Rose Davis, historian and co-host of the sports podcast "Burn It All Down."